Ion 2020, episode 180. Have 2020 Vision with Ion 2020, your source for the news and events in the lead up to the 2020 presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date daily until November 2020 with a libertarian perspective on the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for joining me. Now let's clear our vision. What's up, everybody? Ray Eaton here, your host of Ion 2020, the place that you come to for the news, events, things that go on in the 2020 election. Just wanted to bring you a great show today on the anniversary of the 9-11 events. And I'm going to talk a little bit about the 9-11 events, I think. And I'm also going to talk a little bit about the firing of John Bolton, who is the, uh, who was the advisor to the Trump administration, and he was recently fired. So that's what I'm going to go ahead and talk about today. Um, I have a little bit of a sore throat, so forgive me if I speak a little bit quieter than I normally do. Uh, I think of all this allergies and stuff, I've been, I kind of mentioned that the other day on the show, a little bit of allergies going on out here in the south, and uh, maybe that storm's uh, blew up some of the old pollen or something like that or maybe it's fall pollen i'm not sure i usually don't get affected by allergies too much but i did last uh spring and i also have this year as well so uh so please forgive me if i happen to breathe heavily or also if i happen to cough okay and uh, i have a little bit of sore throat so that's it but i might just need to take a little bit of medicine i'm not sure uh, i'm probably gonna have to stop by the cvs at some point and grab myself a little bit of medicine. But uh, first thing, let me just go ahead and ask you guys real quick, if it's your first time listening, go ahead and subscribe to the show. And then if you have been listening for a while, you like what you hear, you might as well do something to help me out if you like it, you know? And you can go ahead and give me a five-star rating and review on whatever podcast you're listening to, okay? And uh, then at that point, if you want to follow up with me a little bit more, you can do that right at IonTheEmpire.com is my website. Also, IonTheEmpire.com is the uh, is the website. Sorry, Ray at IonTheEmpire.com is the email address. And then you also have, uh, you go on like Facebook and Twitter, you'll find me there, IonTheEmpire also. Most recent news that came out, and I actually am pretty excited about this, is that uh, John Bolton has been fired as the National Security Advisor for Trump. I don't know if you guys know a little bit about John Bolton, but he is probably the most hawkish person that you have ever seen on TV. I mean, he was a Fox News contributor for a while during the Iraq wars and all that. Then he became the, well, I think, yeah, after Afghanistan and Iraq, George Bush made him like the, uh, I think he was uh, in the United Nations, representing the United States on, on the United Nations and all that. And he was the, oh, the ambassador for the United Nations. That's what it was. And this guy, I mean, he is just, he has never seen a war that he does not love. And you've kind of seen it over the last year or so with North Korea, with Iran, with things that are going on in Syria, with things that are going on in just any foreign foreign entanglement that we have. John Bolton is an outspoken critic of Donald Trump in a way that kind of undermines Donald Trump. For example, when he was talking about going to talk to North Korea 
and trying to put together something like John Bolton would be on the news saying, no, that's not happening. Or if he says we're going to be pulling out of Afghanistan, John Bolton, no, 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 that's not happening. Uh, it's not fully going to happen. Like he would undermine President Trump on the regular just to make sure that somehow the news media would cover that rather than what Trump says. Uh, he was definitely somebody who was not in line with Donald Trump, it seems like, on foreign policy. So good riddance to the guy. Hopefully he can, I'm sure what he'll end up doing, he'll get himself a nice little cushy job at some think tank making a million dollars a year because of the influence that he has in Washington over all of the military industrial complex and everything else that's going on over there. All the influence that he has on all of the people in Washington as it is since he is a neoconservative war hawk who wants to bomb anybody that, you know, anybody that he possibly can apparently whether it's civilian targets or not i mean the guy just i mean his his view his world view though is that america first and to hell of the rest in some ways and if you're an ally of america that's fine but if you are not doing what we say then we need to take out your dictatorship we need to you know take out your your country your leaders and replace them with people who are who are allied with the United States and keep your people under control. Cause if they start rebelling, well, you better not get on our bad side either. Like that's just his worldview. And it's a terrible worldview because it does not take into account the sanctity of life by any means. And I am a firm believer in the sanctity of life that no government should be killing anybody in that way, especially in wars. And, uh, I'm a firm believer that, you know, we need to, as a country, have a policy of peace, have a policy of um, getting along with everybody across the world, whether they agree with us or not, because in that way we can trade with them, become partners with them in some ways, and that is going to keep armies from crossing borders. And I think that's a very good policy. But John Bolton, good riddance to the guy. I'm glad that he's gone. Hopefully uh, Donald Trump will start having more of a backbone to or, you know, have that backbone to get out of some of these entanglements and out of these wars and stuff like that, and then also um, not have somebody undermining him at every chance that he gets in order to, uh, you know, downplay everything that Donald Trump does. It says in the article that I'm reading, President Trump announced on Tuesday that he fired John R. Bolton as third national security advisor amid fundamental disagreements over how to handle major foreign policy challenges like Iran, North Korea, and most recently Afghanistan. I informed John Bolton last night that his services are no longer needed at the White House, the president wrote on Twitter. I disagreed with him strongly on many of his suggestions, as did others in the administration, and therefore I asked John for his resignation which was given to me this morning. I thank Sean very much for his service. Mr. Bolton offered a different version of how the end came in his own message on Twitter shortly afterwards. I offered to resign last night, and President Trump said, let's talk about it tomorrow, Mr. Bolton wrote without elaborating. Responding to a question from the New York Times via text message, Mr. Bolton said it is his initiative it was his initiative, offered last night without his asking, he wrote, slept on it and gave it to him this morning. So suppose, so there must have been some kind of argument or something back and forth that would cause him to do that. And maybe it's the way that Trump is dealing with certain issues across the world. Maybe it's just the fact that it's just irre irreconcilable dif differences between the two guys. But 
obviously Donald Trump supposedly, and I've heard this in the past as well. I think I, I don't know where I read it at, but they were saying that jo- that John Bolton was actually locked out of a lot of the conversations that were going on with the leaders in Afghanistan, with leaders on Iran, like with leaders on things that are going on in Syria and in North Korea. Like John Bolton would not be allowed at a lot of these meetings that they were having. And in one case, John Bolton had his, the people that worked for him, I guess, call up and try to figure out ways to get himself into these meetings. And ultimately he was able to get into one or two of them, but he was not invited to a lot of these meetings and stuff. And to me, it's probably because of the way that he would go at it. Like every single time, I guarantee you, like, should we go to war or not? And John Bolton always has his hand up. Yes, we should go to war. The yes is raise your hand, and John Bolton will be the only person in the room that wants to go bomb people, you know, because this guy has never seen a war that he does not love, and that's it. So um, that's it. That's that's the basically the major news of the day is John Bolton's out, and that's a good thing. Hopefully he hires – hopefully Donald Trump will hire somebody who is a little bit less hawkish, that's more of a peacemaker, somebody that will get the job done moving forward and getting like out of Afghanistan and so forth. I mean, John Bolton's the one that's kind of been taking the reins and trying to spark a war with Iraq or with Iran too. I mean, it's just insane. Absolutely insane. So next thing I want to talk about is this, guys. It is 9-11 and um, it's kind of, it's a somber day. I My own personal experience with 9-11 was, I mean, I was a libertarian back then, back in 2000, or excuse me, 1999. I started looking into libertarianism, and that's when I became a libertarian, and it was after my second year of college, I had decided to take a little bit of time off from college because of some stuff that happened personally, where I basically ended up getting an apartment in Kissimmee, Florida, where I lived at the time, and uh, I was working at a restaurant, and that morning when I woke up, I remember going out to my car, and I was just going to run down to the bank to deposit some money, and that's when I started listening to the radio. And you, at first, you're listening to it, and you're just thinking to yourself, I mean, I, it was probably like 9 o'clock in the morning, so the, the first tower or the second tower maybe had just gotten hit. I'm not sure exactly what time it was, but I just know that I turned on the radio, and I'd always listened to uh, a little bit of like talk radio and stuff at the time. And I was just thinking to myself, what is going on? Like, they were talking about planes hitting these towers and stuff. And it just, it didn't really click for the entire ride to the bank on what was happening. Because I was kind of like switching through, trying to see what was going on. Then when you get to the bank, that's when you start to realize some serious stuff has happened, you know? And I don't think they were onto terrorism at the time. I don't think they were talking about terrorism I'm not sure what they were talking about because it's kind of a blur to me. It's been so long since it happened. But the serious thought was, uh, I mean, I remember spending like two or three days just watching the news on this thing. And it was just like a terrible crisis. Every single person in America that was alive at that time that was over seven years old, I would imagine, remembers that day, right? Remembers what happened to them that day, where they were at when they found out that 9-11 happened. It's kind of like the Kennedy assassination. 
or the bombing of Pearl Harbor. Like, everyone that was in those generations at that time remembered where they were at when that happened. And obviously with 9-11, it's the same thing. It was the defining moment of my, not my youth, because I was like 20, would that be 23, 24 at the time? So it's about, this is the defining, it's like the defining moment of my, you know, my 20s, my early years of just, you know, just getting out of my first couple years of college. I took some time off. I was living in an apartment. And, uh, I mean, when you, when I think about that particular day, there was a lot of, like, as, as the, news progressed and as they started to place blame on different things they started to move towards blaming it on Osama bin Laden and the idea I don't remember all the scenario that was going on at the time though with Afghanistan and I don't remember like I've read a lot of different books on this issue since then and so I don't remember all the news that was going on but I slightly do remember them saying that they were going to try to get Osama bin Laden turned over to the authorities the American authorities, and remember what the way it was framed in the news is that Afghanistan wouldn't do it, that they were trying to protect him, and all. Um, there was a little bit more to that story than that. I talked about it yesterday on the show that really Afghanistan did offer to give Osama bin Laden to America, but it had to go through a third party. But the news began to frame it as, I mean, it, beca- it basically became propaganda piece to invade that was okay to invade Afghanistan at that time and at the time I think almost 99% of Americans would have been on board with something like that I mean even Ron Paul voted for the authorization of the use of force even Ron Paul did he says he's regretted it since then because he realized that it was used in a in a way that was negative that it's been using outside of the original intent since then, it's always been used outside of the original intent. But I would say 99% of people in America were like gung-ho about the idea of going and invading Afghanistan to get Osama bin Laden. But there was more to that story than going in there to get Osama bin Laden. Because soon you start hearing that we need to go over there and we need to fight them over there or else we're going to end up having to fight them over here. Like, that's the next thing you start hearing. That's the propaganda that you start hearing at that point. And the government starts, the U.S. government starts using this in a propaganda campaign that we need to have soldiers all over the Middle East fighting the terrorists there. Because if we don't, they're going to come over here. Like, the fear. They use 9-11 to spur lots and lots of fear in people's hearts and in their minds. I was reading an article earlier today, and they were saying that um, even in 2017, people were terrified of, like, the, the fear of terrorism has not gone down since then. Even though there's been way fewer terrorist attacks since then, there's been very few terrorist attacks in America. Like, the major, I th- I, I've done the numbers before, 98% of the terrorists, like, the deaths from terrorism in America from foreign terrorism in America happened on 9-11. The remaining 2% was like from 1990s until the year 2000 and a few terrorist attacks, but not too many. 
since then in America. So there's not, or there's been very few terrorist attacks. So like, but the fear is still there, just as it was after 9/11. So the government has done what it wanted to do, and that is to is, is to create this terrible fear that people have that the terrorists are coming to get us. But they don't have a bunch of sailboats. They're not going to be jumping on a bunch of ships coming and invading America. I don't even know, like, you always, if, if you ever watched the TV show 24, they always, like, made it seem like there was just these sleeper cells just waiting to get the message from the morning paper in the comic strip where it would say, attack, and then they would know what they're going to do. Like, there, I, I don't even know if there's even sleeper cells in America in that way. The FBI has gone on and arrested people for terrorism who they set up they make it sound like they they've been doing doing some major work on terrorism when all they did like in one case of this kid in california they found him and they entrapped him they got him to believe that he was talking with somebody that was a terrorist and he says yeah man i don't like america too and da 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 but there was no real act of terrorism on his mind like he didn't even do anything yet they arrest him and say that they found a terrorist. Like there's lots, there's been lots of cases of entrapment of Muslim Americans. George Bush. This is what I was found an article on the LibertarianInstitute.org, and it says, understanding the Ron Paul moment, moment ten years on, and it gets on to the idea of Ron Paul's Giuliani, Giuliani mo- moment. I don't remember, know if you remember that but he talked a lot about blowback and let me go ahead and get into the article, but the American, the federal government has gotten people in America to be so afraid of terrorism that we have given away so many of our liberties since then. We're willing to have a government that can have military presence all over the world that can invade a country or overthrow a dictator like in Libya or invade a country like Iraq or give weapons to terrorists in Syria or continue to have military operations in Afghanistan or even support Saudi Arabia in its war in Yemen like we're okay with that it's not even daily front page news anymore because that's not news anymore the people in America don't look at it as news anymore because it's not that big of a deal anymore. Because the, the federal government, it's okay to have a ma- massive bureaucracy overseas and infringe on people's freedoms overseas to protect our own freedom. I mean, I was defending this on Twitter one time, and this guy says, well, if we don't fight him over there, we're going to have to fight him over here. But I'm convinced. I'm convinced that that's not true. You don't have to fight them over there. And Ron Paul's idea, when he's talked about that, the blowback idea, that wasn't a new idea. The CIA had known about the idea of blowback since since the beginning, and they even wrote like wrote papers on it in 1998. The idea of blowback, they knew that it would happen in 1953 when they overthrew the Iranian elected president. And they installed the Shah. 
1953 happens and he was a unpopular leader of that country and over time you have the the embassy you know the 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 terrorists that went into the embassy and uh held held hostage all the americans and that happened because of the blowback like you have the, the iran we have today is a direct result of the intervention of american the cia in 1953 installing the shah but that's what we have today in iran is because of that and the things that you see across the nation or across the world with our country like it's just normal for americans to think it's okay because we're fr- we're afraid as a country we're afraid of terrorism but 50% of the country is more conservative in their view of the government having a lot of intervention at home but they're okay with it across the world most americans are so the article that i found that i was looking at it says uh it gives a couple of quotes right in the beginning but the quote that i found the most interesting was this this is george w bush in 2001 and this is this is the beginning of the propaganda campaign when he says this the very beginning of that and you're gonna you're gonna recognize these words too because you've heard them you've heard them so many times he says this they hate what they see right here in this chamber he's speaking to the congress they hate what they see right here in this chamber a democratically elected government their leaders are self-appointed they hate our freedoms our freedom of religion our freedom of speech our freedom to vote and assemble and disagree with each other remember that guys remember what the what they used to say the terrorists hate us for our freedom that was the one thing that they always said we need to fight them over there so we don't have to fight them over here and they hate us for our freedom they hate us because our women can work they hate us because our women don't have to cover themselves up they hate them because of our culture they hate us because we have a lot of money they hate us because we're a capitalist government they hate us because we're christian they hate us because we don't enforce surreal law they hate us because we're free you guys heard that all the time that's just the way that it was pitched to americans we were scared all muslims i used to think that all muslims were hated us you know actually that's not true i i the the propaganda would start to sink in a little bit i was libertarian guys but i was i was falling for some of that propaganda after 9-11 i remember because that's what you hear on the radio that's what you hear on tv all this stuff but the thing that always got me was this when i was doing my first couple years in college we had like a religion section in one of the uh classes i was taking and they said that we needed to go to like a religious we need to we need to pick a religion and and look into it this is before 9-11 so like the group that i wasn't part of we decided that we were going to go down to a mosque and we were going to ask to be invited into the mosque so we went down there and they asked us to come to one of their prayer sessions that day and uh you know you have to do the whole washing behind your ears wash your hair wash your mouth wash your face wash your hands wash your elbows take your shoes off wash your feet and then you're allowed to go into the mosque for the prayer service and you would sit on your knees 
and you would do the prayer. And I, I don't remember if I did the prayer or not, but I was just in, I was just interested to learn a little bit about these people and what their beliefs were and what they would do. So it opened up my mind quite a bit at that point to the Muslim religion. And I got to interact with some of these people and they were normal people, you know, very much normal people. But the way that the society after 9-11, like it, the idea in people's minds was that all Muslims are terrorists and all Muslims are to be feared because they hate us because of we're, because we're free and they want to impose their laws on us and they hate Christians and they want to have a, a holy war against Christianity and they still harbor resentment from, you know, a thousand years ago in the, during the, um, you know, like when the Pope sends all these, you know, knights over there to fight and all that stuff. Like, you know, like that's what we were thinking at the time. That's what, I mean, those were the thoughts that you had about Muslims, that they hated us because of that. Not realizing that there's a billion Muslims in the world and every single one of them, I mean, probably half of them aren't that into their faith in the first place. It's just like Americans where, yeah, you call yourself a Christian, but you're not like, you know, praying all day, every single day. You're not doing, you're not, you just, you're not just, um, completely faithful to, you know, completely adamant about being faithful all the time. That's not how people are. And that's how most Muslims are as well. Like they're just normal people trying to put food on the table and get by. But at the time, that's what you would think about the Muslims. And it was just, it was terrifying. I mean, I fell into it a little bit as well at the time. And then I remember the whole Ron Paul Giuliani movement. And it kind of sparked a little bit of interest in me. But it didn't even spark that much interest in me at the time. That was not my, that was not my turning point as a libertarian by any means. My turning point as a libertarian was in 1999 around that time when I started learning about libertarianism and then it was again I think in like 2013 or 2012 maybe it was during that campaign I think it was during that campaign in 2012 the Ron Paul campaign where I started the I think I read it or watched a documentary about the Ron Paul revolution and I realized that you know that particular Giuliani movement really set off an entire like a, a revolution of younger people that were realizing that holy crap it's all been a lie what they've been talking about what what the what the government's been saying about this whole 9/11 thing that it wasn't cuz they hate us for our freedoms but there's a whole history before 2001 there's 9/11 2001 there's a history of intervention before then and that's the reason why they hated us that's it that's what John, that's what Ron Paul got to talking about was the history of you know, at that point, and during that Giuliani movement moment, a lot of people caught on to it. I didn't catch on to it that much. I remember looking, and I was like, wow, that's right. But I never, it didn't think, make me think that I needed to become a, you know, start going to Ron Paul rallies or anything like that. A lot of people it did, but that was not the case for me. But that was the moment. There's a whole history before 2011. There was The reason why 9-11 happened is because of the blowback. Osama bin Laden talked about it in one of his 
speeches, I guess. He, or some, some written document that he had. I can't remember what it's called. It's kind of like his manifesto. And one of the things that he talked about in there is that America has bases in Saudi Arabia. They have bases on Holy Land. That they starve children in, in uh, Iraq through the no-fly zones that they had and the trade embargoes that they've had on these countries. And he was thinking it was a direct attack on his civilization and on his people. Yeah, you don't sympathize with somebody that's going to put together an attack like 9-11, but you shouldn't sympathize with the federal government, like the American government either, who does put in policies that starve, you know, 500,000 kids, they say, as the estimate of the amount of people, amount of children that died in Iraq because of the starvation campaign of not allowing food in. And then ultimately they started this food, for, like this oil for food program, so they could get some food. But before that, it was thousands of children were starving. 500,000 children, they say, starved to death because of that campaign. So should we sympathize with the U.S. government too? I don't think so. And obviously, you're going to have blowback when you're intervening in these countries like that. That is the reason why, that is the stated reason why, that was his motivation. That was Osama bin Laden's motivation for forming Al-Qaeda, which ultimately was their, um, you know, their, their big, their big event that happened was 9-11 and that's it. So remember what that, what I just read, they hate us because we're free. That is not true. That is not true. The Giuliania moment, ready? Here's how it went down. Intervention, this is Ron Paul speaking. Intervention was a major contributing factor. Have you ever read the reasons why Al-Qaeda attacked us? They attacked us because we've been over there. We've been bombing Iraq for 10 years. We've been in the Middle East. I think Reagan was right. We don't understand the irrational, irrationality of Middle Eastern politics. So right now, we're building an embassy in Iraq that's bigger than the Vatican. We're building 14 permanent bases. What would we say here if China were doing this in our country or in the Gulf of Mexico? Would we be objecting? We need to look at what we do from the perspective of what would happen if somebody else did it to us. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you, right? The golden rule. And that's what Paul, Ron Paul was talking about. That was the reason why they attacked us, because we were over there. All the foreign intervention that had happened since after World War II. All that stuff was going on. It's a fight for power. It's a fight to control the people of those countries through their governments. And a lot of those governments were not going along with us, and along with the CIA. So the CIA would overthrow those dictators and install new ones. And ultimately, all that comes back to haunt you on 9-11. All that stuff comes back to haunt you on 9-11. Giuliani inter interacted and says, are you, you, are you saying it's our fault? You're trying to pin, put the blame on us. This is not our fault. And then Ron Paul did not back down. Even after, I think it was Chris Wallace at the time, says something effective. Are you willing to take back what you just said, Mr. Paul? And Ron Paul stood his ground. He says, I believe very sincerely that the CIA is correct when they teach and talk about blowback. 
When we went into Iran in 1953 and installed the Shah, yes, there was blowback. A reaction to what was taking the taking of our hostages, and that persists. If we ignore that, we ignore that at our own risk. If we think we can do what we want around the world and not incite hatred, then we have a problem. They don't come here to attack us because we're rich and we're free. They come and they attack us because we're over there. I mean, what would we think if we were, if foreign countries were going to do that to us? And that's true. If other countries were doing that in America, or if another country came in and said, you know what, I don't like what's going on in the border in America right now, I'm going to come in and I'm going to take it over so that I can control the border between Mexico and the United States, because I don't like what Donald Trump is doing down there, we would be in an uproar, and we would go in there hell-blazing, I guarantee it, and all of America would be okay with that. So when a terrorist does something overseas, a lot of times it's because of what's going on over there. It's just the way it is. It's blowback, guys. Why do we have soldiers overseas still 18 years after 9-11? Osama bin Laden is dead. Osama bin Laden is dead. 18 years later. No end in sight. It seemed like there was an end in sight for a little while, but it seems like that ended this week as well with Donald Trump. So keep that in mind, guys, okay? It's 9-11... It's been 18 years since that that tragic day, and yes, yes, there was. I mean, yes, it's an absolutely tragic day. I'm fully on board that that happened because of terrorists that attacked America. I'm not one of the. I'm not a conspiracy theorist at all about that. I mean, you look at the conspiracy or the conspiracy theory movies, and they try to make a really good case, but. I mean, that would be way too hard to cover up something like that, a conspiracy like that. I just, I cannot believe that. When I look at the tapes and all that, um, they do pinpoint some specific points that make you want to think about it. But I, I mean, it's been 18 years, and the major thing since then, though, is the infringements on your freedoms, the fact that Americans are okay with our country going across the world intervening in any country that does not do our bidding and do what we say. And people are okay with it now. They don't question it whatsoever. And they don't question the surveillance of our own people at this point. And to me, those are the tragedies of 9-11 also. Not only the over 3,000 people that died in that event, but the fact that Americans have gone along with what their government says and what their government has continued to do since then on the infringements of our freedoms and our infringements upon other people's freedoms all across the world. Hundreds of thousands of people dead because of the... because of our, our government going overboard in retaliation against this when they could have just gone in there, got Osama bin Laden, hung that guy from a tree... Sung around Washington, D.C. And, and just, you know, made everybody happy. Everyone would have been happy with, with the death of that one person. I'm sure about that. But they continue to do what they're doing, and it sickens me. So, hey, guys.
wow, another solemn episode, but it's 9-11. You know, every, a lot, you're probably going to hear a lot of people talking about 9-11 and stuff like that. Um, we've had soldiers that have died because of this war as well. And I just, you know, pray for those families and so forth as well. Um, but definitely we need to start a movement that's going to force our government to stop this intervention, stop the madness. Support Donald Trump in those ideas if he decides that he's going to pull out of those wars. Write letters. Figure out ways to get your Congress people to enact policies that will force his hand, force government's hand in getting out of these wars. That, to me, is the most important thing we could do because the reality is this. Our government is bankrupt. Our government is at a point where it's too expensive to have these wars in the first place. And your children, I mean, the, the no parent should have to send their child to, to defend this country when they're not even defending this country. To die for no reason, to me, that's sick. That's sick. So, guys, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up for you today. I appreciate you continuing to join me every day listening to this show. Um, we have the debates coming up soon. So, uh, tomorrow you'll be listening, or you guys can watch the debates. And on Friday, I'm going to go ahead and put together a debate show for you. I guess tomorrow's show will be a pre debate show just so you can kind of get an overview of what's going to be happening. And then uh, come on back tomorrow and you'll have clear vision for 2020. Hey guys, I'm excited to announce the new podcast I'm coming out with called First Year in Sales with Ray Eaton. Now, if you're not a salesperson, then it might not be for you. But if you are a salesperson, or if you know another salesperson, go ahead and direct them towards this show. It's going to be a show that is based upon helping somebody that's in their first year in sales, or maybe even somebody that is in sales already and just wants to brush up on some of the sales skills that they need in order to be successful. I'm focusing on habits and also different parts of the sales process in order to help people to become more successful in their sales job. So like I said, if you know somebody that's in sales, or if you yourself are in sales, go ahead and check out this podcast. It's on all of your podcatchers, anything that you would listen to. And that is called First Year in Sales with Ray Ian.